Well, we just got through looking at the list of friends to greet, and tonight we're going to look at foes to avoid. And in verse 17, Now I urge you, I beg you, brethren, note or make a mark of those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. <clears throat> he's going to go on down and after he lays some heavy things on and in verse 20 he says, hang in there, Satan will soon be crushed under your feet. I really wish we were already going through the walk in the garden with the Lord. But we're not. But one day, we'll awaken, and our face will be facing Jesus Christ. Our eyes will open to behold His glory. Sorrows but for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We'll awaken in His likeness. And what a glorious day that'll be. The battle will be over. The fight will be done. But until then, we are in a world and we are in a fight. We are fighting Satan. Now Satan, he uses people. He manipulates their mind. He confuses them concerning the truth. It's often somebody who is warped and sinning who will begin to make a doctrine that suits their lifestyle. That's what it said earlier in Romans chapter 1. They didn't not want to worship God because they didn't believe in Him because it was already in their conscience to believe in God. But their foolish hearts were darkened. Why? Because they wanted to live in their sin. That's why they created evolution. Because I don't want to be accountable to God, so I don't want there to be a God, and I want this all to be that there is, and, and I'm at the top. I'm at the top of the food chain. Man, I'm the one that can dictate to everybody and everything else, and so therefore, I make the rules. Because I don't want to be accountable to somebody who else is making the rules. And so, we're in a world where people are confused, and demonically so. And Paul tells the believers there in Rome, in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 tonight, to note those who bring divisions and offenses. And that's the reality, to make note of who they are and to stay with the doctrine which you've learned and avoid those who are teaching contrary doctrines. Now in Proverbs 3, it says there's six things God hates. He has seventh is an abomination, and that's to bring division amongst God's people. The Lord loves unity. The Lord loves us to be of the same heart, of the same mind. And if you would just read the Bible by yourself and believe it, we would all be together on the same heart and the same mind. That's why we teach verse by verse through the Bible, because it's just very simple. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. We just need to say what it says. But you'll find when people have their own doctrine, they hit passages of Scripture and <gasps> all of a sudden they have to come up with some strange teaching because there's no way if you just read it and believe it, it would work. The Jehovah Witnesses, a religion which Russell established because he 
was mad at the established denominations of the day. And out of anger, he begins to make his own denomination. And he begins to rewrite the Bible. He professed, he knew Hebrew and Greek fluently. He was put on the court, on the stand in a courtroom. He, could, he did not even know the letters of the Greek alphabet. He did not even know the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, more or less be able to translate it. But yet the Jehovah Witnesses, they have their magazines that come out each month because they don't want their people reading the Bible. Because when they just read the Bible, it messes things up. Jehovah Witnesses come to the door and I point out the Gospel of John, chapter 20, where Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Right there. He called Jesus Lord and God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you because you see and believe. What's that mean? Jehovah's Witness will tell you, well, he was swearing there. My Lord, my God. It's Jesus. That's... That's what they teach. I had a Jehovah's Witness tell me that. I said, I just smiled and I said, do you really believe that? He put his head down and goes, no. <laughs> and then he starts on his little God thing. You know, well, little God. He meant little Lord and little God. And just let the scripture speak. He said, Lord and God, and, and Jesus rejoiced that he saw it. Jesus would rejoice today if you see it. But they got this thing. Jesus is Michael the Archangel. That's it. They've got their little mind, their little warped ideas, their doctrine that's been built upon man. And how many scriptures, they keep changing the interpretation. Peter Barnes, a brother here in town, was a Jehovah's Witness for 30 years. And finally, one particular verse, they changed for the third time. And he was the district leader of the Jehovah Witnesses for the San Diego County area. He was a big will. And when they changed it and it came out in the watchtower for the third time, he just, ah, I can't handle it. And he had heard from somebody, just read the New Testament. He had never done that in 30 years. As a devout Jehovah Witness, he had never read the New Testament. He said, I'm going to read it. He sat down and read it and got born again and got out of the church. Today you can go around the Jehovah, Jehovah Witness halls and his picture is up. Beware of this man. <laughs> but again, they got their warp teaching. Now, how do you know these groups? He tells you, for those who are such do not serve our Lord, Jesus Christ, but their own belly. In other words, they're doing it for their own satisfaction. And by their smooth words and flattering speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. They're very practiced up. They're very organized. Because, see, we have the Spirit of God that pulls things together. And so we try not, really, honestly, we try not to over-organize. We try to organize to a degree that we feel comfortable with, but then we just sort of want to make room for the Holy Spirit. We just let the Lord lead. But yet when you have an institution of man, man has to dominate it with his power, with his presence, with his ability. 
And so you'll find with cults a very heavy-handedness with man's organizational skills. You see it with Jehovah Witnesses. You see it with the Mormons. But you see also that all the creativity that God would put into things is taken out. Because man has to organize it and it's overwhelming. So what happens? All the Jehovah Witness kingdom halls look the same. All the Mormon buildings look the same. They all build them identically. They all dress identically. It's all a part of man dominating man, causing man to look, to, i got to control it, and man tries to control it. It all just gets a little compartmentalized in little boxes. You go throughout any country where communism's at, and you'll find high-rise after high-rise after high-rise building identical. You can go throughout Yugoslavia and Romania and Hungary and all the various parts of the former Russia and Poland, and you'll find we call them commie condos. They're just identical. They just build a box and put people in it. It's man oppression, man, man trying to control man. But in the church, we say God's going to control it. The Holy Spirit's going to rule it. If the Holy Spirit's living in somebody, he's going to do it. But in each of these organizations, what is their goal? Their goal is to make more like themselves. God is their belly. In other words, their own satisfaction. The Jehovah Witnesses are out trying to make more Jehovah Witnesses. They want you to look like them and do what they do and, and to be a part of their organization. But when people are truly born again, they just want people to love Jesus. Period. They just love the Lord. Now, we want them to get in a church where they're going to grow. But when I have somebody here in the church and they say, you know what, I feel led to go around to the church to the corner, and it's a church that I feel they're teaching the Word of God, my heart rejoices. I say, praise God. I had a brother here for about a year from the Wesleyan church over here. And he just got established and grew in the Lord. And he said, you know, I, I've grown more in eight months in the Lord than I have in my entire life being here at the church. But I really feel sorry for him over there. And I, I, I want to go back and help him. And, and he went back and took over the men's group and asked me to speak a few weeks ago. I went over there. And it's neat what God is doing through him. He still drops in here from time to time. But I just say, praise God. But yet... The cults, you see, that's, that, that's not the way it is. Hey, you're in our membership role. You're here, man. You're, you're, it's the controlling thing. And so again, when you see those people, you need to mark them. The Boston Church of Christ, the International Church of Christ, the Church of Christ, period, is a cult. They believe it's through baptism, water baptism, that a person is saved. It's an offense to the cross of Christ because the cross of Christ said, it's finished. The thief on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Baptism wasn't the issue. It was just, today you'll be with me because you believed. John 1, as many as believe on him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, period. And John, in Romans chapter 10, as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's rich to all who call upon him. No mention of baptism. But yet, 
What do they do over here, mainly at the colleges? They're trying to find simple minds. Kids that have come out of the home and are trying to figure out the adult life and in the co- and they'll come up and they start hitting what on the baptism issue. Were you baptized? How were you baptized? How quick were you baptized? Did you go all the way under? Was there any hair, you know, dry at the top of your head? They, they, they're not going to leave you alone, you see, until finally they convince you the Church of Christ is the only church and that you get baptized in their church. God is their belly. Until they have proselyted you and baptized you in their church, and their organization, convinced you that there's no way under heaven a person can go to heaven except be a member of their church. Like the Mormons, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Church of Christ the same way. Until you are a member of the Church of Christ and remain active in the Church of Christ forever, then there's no way you'll make it to heaven. Again, we need to mark them. They're divisive. They're offensive. They're contrary to the doctrine which we've learned. And the Bible says, avoid them. The rule of thumb with cults are, and people who teach false doctrine is, get away from them. Avoid them. Don't go next to them. Turn over, if you would, to 2 John. Easier to find it by going to the book of Revelation. That's what I always do. And then just turn a page back to the left. 2 John Second John, chapter 11. Yeah, okay. There's only one chapter. Only kidding you. Verse 7. Notice what he says. Second John, verse 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look to yourself that we do not lose those things which worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Listen, if you don't abide in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Jesus Christ, you do not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house. Knock, knock. Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, can we come in? Do not have him come into your house. Don't even greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Turn over to Titus, if you would. In Titus, it's right after Timothy, which is right after Thessalonians, all the T books in a row. In the last T book, Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 9. That's the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3, who knows what I said. Verse 9. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Disputes over the Watchtower organization. The disputes over whether or not Joseph Smith talked to an angel Moroni. Disputes over whether baptism is essential in the church of Christ and that's what washed away. Don't even get into it. Reject a divisive man after the first and the second admonition, the warning. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. 
you'll find at the top of every one of these organizations is a multi-millionaire. You'll find it in the Mormon church. You'll find it in the Jehovah Witnesses. Russell and Rutherford here in San Diego built a mansion over here off at Adams Avenue. And he said, Christ is coming back on a certain time. And, and when Christ didn't come back, he said, oh, he did come. And he stayed here at this mansion with me for a while. That's why I had to build it for him and some of the prophets who stayed. And, and, and they hung out. Oh, and by the way, the end time started. It did start. Millennial period started. And, and uh, that's why you know, he hung out here with me in this mansion. And of course, he continued to live there until the day he died. Kit McKean of the International Church of Christ lives in a $4 million house up in the L.A. area. Again, why? Because that's really their heart. Their heart is to get people to submit to them at all costs. Just do what I say. Controlling. Under every of the organizations, you'll find them saying, the way you'll obey God is by obeying me. Just obey what I say. Now, there is a time and place to say that. When a person's disobeying the word and they're saying, gee, I don't get it, and you have the elders of the church saying, look, it's there. I'm sorry you can't see it, but it's there. Then you really need to take note and, and to go and to say, gee, I must be off. But that's not what goes on. For instance, in the church of Christ, what they do is they say discipling is this, where you submit blind loyalty unto a leader. And so here is your discipler, and they'll appoint a discipler. If you're a girl, they'll give you a girl, or a guy, they'll give you a guy, and, and you do whatever they say. They tell you when to get up, they tell you when to go to bed, they tell you what kind of job to have, whether you can date, if you can go on a vacation, if you can buy a car. They control your life. Now, if you say, gee, you know, I, I, I'm, my parents wanted me to go to dinner with them on Thursday night, and, and I know there's a Bible study, a home fellowship I usually go to, but I, I, my parents really would like me to go. It's my mom's birthday. Well, I'm sorry. Thursday night's your Bible study night. You'll just have to tell your parents, sorry. Now, if you disobey, you just lost your salvation. You are now going to hell. But let's say they were wrong. They, they come Friday going, you know, I was wrong. I should have had you go to, to your parents on Thursday night instead. But since you obeyed me anyway, God will reward you. Guys, that's not the way it is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, I am not a Lord over your faith, but a fellow sharer of your joy. In Christ, we're with side by side with one another, not over each other. That is just wrong. But you see, their discipler is, you're also under the other person's discipler is under you, and all the way back up to Kit McKean, who's at the top. And so they control the whole hierarchy as every cult, as the Moonies and the Hare Krishnas and, and every cult in the world does. How do you know? If you're right with the organization, you're right with God. If you're not right with the organization, you're not right with God. That's always a cult. You will not find a Jehovah Witness tell you that, oh, if you're not a Jehovah Witness, it's okay. <laughs> There's only one way of salvation, that's if you're a Jehovah Witness. Period. Same with the Mormons. The same with the Church of Christ. The same with many other cults. You are not right with God if you don't go to their church and are part of their church. And it's divisive. And it's demonic. 
And it's not the way Christ has. And he says, they may look like they serve Christ. They may have all the right lingo, but they do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with me. Just to the right, just a couple of pages, not too far. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look there at verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from what? The simplicity that's in Christ. Just read your Bible, love the Lord, and do what he says. That's really all there is to it. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, listen, another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. Just turn to the right, two pages. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse 6. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven, interesting, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon church, said an angel, Moroni, is the one who taught him what he knows. And here it says an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have preached, received, let him be accursed. The bottom line is this. All religions are broken down to two, one of faith and one of works. The one of the cult will tell you, join our church, stay right with our church, do what we tell you to do, and you will be right with God. Guys, that is not anywhere in Christianity. Christianity says you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. We're not saved by our works. We're saved as a gift of God. The fact that we obey show that the Holy Spirit's in our life. And as we obey, the quality of our life and the rewards in heaven and the blessing and the fruitfulness of our life increases. As we disobey, we don't lose our salvation as the cults will tell you, we're losing out on our relationship with God. We're losing out on our fruitfulness. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. And if we continue to disobey and go back to our formal ungodly life, then again, who knows where you're at with Christ? And that's always a scary trip. But when we see somebody walking away from God, our concern is they're no longer a member of our church. Who cares? Our concern is their well-being, their growth in the Lord, where they're at with Christ. But the cults, again, they're divisive. They're offensive. It's of works. It's of you going and knocking on doors every Saturday with the rest of the Jehovah Witnesses. It's by you being a good Mormon and being sealed in the Mormon church and marrying a good Mormon. So when you're a god of your own planet someday... Uh, you can have many wives and they can populate your planet that you'll be God of. And all these crazy things that they believe. But always, as Satan deceived Eve, what do they appear as? 
a beautiful, eloquent, smooth-talking, organized, you know what, just let us run your life for you. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Man, you want to run my life? Go for it. <laughs> you see, that's our flesh. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to walk by faith, to trust in Him, to let Him run our lives, to let Him work our lives out. And as we struggle with the issues of life, we grow in character. We grow intimately with Him. And we grow in a godly fashion as we struggle with the issues of life. What they want to say is just, we'll run your life for you. So come and let us run your life and you'll be better than you were. And typically in time, they're far worse off than they ever were before they ever came into that organization. That organization will usually destroy the family, rip the family apart, and devastate them in every way, emotionally, relationally, physically, and of course spiritually, because they never do come closer to God. They just simply learn how to be a part of a mechanism, a machine, that's just churning away, trying to get more people in the machine. And that's the whole point. It's not loving the Lord and knowing Him and growing in Him. So the rule of thumb is get away from them, don't greet them, stay away from them, avoid them. Now, I would like to say as a qualifier that there are those who have that ministry to those in cults. There are people who have that ministry. Like I mentioned earlier, our brother Peter Barnes, he was Jehovah's Witness. That's his ministry now. He tries to help Jehovah's Witnesses see. And now Jehovah's Witnesses, they're told, nobody really understands. They don't know. He says, I do understand. I know. I was Jehovah's Witness for 30 years. So because of where he's coming from, they can't just shrug him off going, well, you didn't read the 1952 edition of the I Did. And I wrote an article for it. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. And so they can't just shrug him off, you see. And so there's those also who have that calling to cults. That's their part of the ministry is to try to help defend the faith. Defend by helping the believers to know Here's how they twist the scriptures. It may look confusing to you. It's not confusing at all. Here's what the scripture says. To build up the body, on the other hand, to witness to the cult. But if you're not called to that, don't waste your time. Why? Number one, it's protection. Why let your mind get messed up? Why let that stuff get in your head to begin with? Just It's, it's silliness. It's ridiculousness. Why even let it get in your head? Just stay with the pure word of God. I know I don't like my kids seeing shows, even though they may be from Disney. That's just confusing. It's just a confusing show. And they sort of at the end of going, well, why would this and why would that? And I don't understand why they... And it's just like, it's just stupid. It has no rhyme, no reason. It's just a big confusing plot and climax and the conclusion didn't wrap things up and it was just confusing. I don't want confusing stuff in their head. And so in the same way, let's just stay with the word. Let's just love the Lord and grow in him and let him speak to us. Why have all that other false doctrine? Well, you know, some people believe, some people believe that. Yeah, you need to know about some of that to a degree, but why, why live in that mess if you don't need to? Secondly, is 
not just protection, but also priorities. Jesus said the field is white and the harvest. There's tons of people that don't believe in God at all, that aren't walking with the Lord at all, that aren't a part of a cult, and they're willing to come to Christ. Let's just witness to them. Why waste time with people in cults when there's, you know, for every one person in a cult, there's 10,000 people who are just there to willing to talk about Christ with you. And so Satan could use these people just to cause you to spin your wheels trying to talk to a confused person who really doesn't want help. Now, I'm not saying forget the people in the cults. There's no hope for them. Sure there is. And, and that's why there's people in the body that are called to help them. But if you're not one of those people, avoid them and get on with the things of the Lord. Grow in the Lord. That's the word. They're contrary to the doctrine. Avoid them. They're not serving the Lord, but, but they seem so sincere. I have not met anybody in a cult who's not sincere. I, matter of fact, 99% of everybody I meet anywhere is sincere. They're all sincere. But they're wrong. And, and sincerity and niceness and kindness and all, all of that is great, but it doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form that, that they're right. I mean, the Playboy bunny... She's sincere about, I, I really believe that nudity is an expression of art. Uh, she's sincere about it. She may be kind and nice and sweet, and, but it doesn't mean she's right. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's pure. It doesn't mean it's something that I need to give my time to, you see. People may be sincere in these various cults, but, but they're so sincere. They're out working hard, knocking on doors every Saturday. They're told if they don't do that, they don't go to heaven. Or they won't, they'll be annihilated. If they don't do it, they'll be annihilated. They're not doing it because they love you. They're doing it because they don't want to be annihilated. So again, be careful with that, that motive. And so again, they have the flattering speech. You know, you look at the Jehovah Witness material, the Mormon material. Um, it's always a very appealing way of trying to suck you in to their lies. And it says why? Because it deceives the heart of the simple. The word there is just the innocent. Those people who are, um, they're just naive still to a lot of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And you who have been in the word for a long time, they come up and say, hey, do you want to be a God of your own planet? You're going to just look at them going, that's nuts. There's one God. The Bible says there's only one God. The Lord our God is one Lord. How could there be, well, no, not of this planet. There's only one Lord of this planet, but you can be a God of your own planet. That's nuts. How can you start having existed? How can you start always have known everything? You can't be a God. That's ridiculous. You're not going to be tripped up by it. But again, somebody who sees the Mormon church and says, well, they're, they're commercials. They're, you, know, you see that guy coming down on the bike out of the hills, you know, and he stops and he helps the guy who's stranded on the Jeep. And he was so kind and so nice and so good looking and and gee, you know, they, they can't be all bad. You see, it's deception. And um, again, I, it's, it's deceptive to those who are simple of mind. But in verse 19, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. So he's saying, man, you've come to this place and you're obediently following the Lord. And it's a very innocent thing. They're just new believers. It's a very pure thing. It's a very simple thing. 
But he says, but I want you to be wise in what is good. So keep learning in the word, growing in the true, sincere milk of the word. But again, be simple concerning evil, whether it's cults or the evil things in this world. Be simple or naive, ignorant. It's a different word, simple. Although verse 18 and verse 19. Again, it's be naive concerning the things that are evil in the world. You know, it's so neat just to go to the the Word and just have that childlike heart. There was one of the fellow pastors just got back from Uganda and and he was telling me they had a pastor's conference there and, and one of the pastors of a little tiny church out in the bush said, well, is it okay to kill somebody if they put a if they're a witch doctor and they're putting a curse on you and your family, is it okay to kill them? And he said, no, you, you can't kill them. The Bible says, love your enemies, do good to them, pray for them. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them to drink. And uh, the guy disappeared. And later that night, he came back and, and he said, where were you? And he said, well, I went to take some food and drink to that witch doctor. I knew him and his family were hungry and, and needed some. And so I went and gave him some food and some drink. It's just very simple. Bible says, feed them. Give them something to drink. Those who are your enemy. He just did it. Well, what happened? He was blown away. And the guy ended up getting saved. <laughs> just that childlike faith. How sweet it is. How precious it is. And, and how we need to have that, that simplicity of heart. And he's just saying, yeah, just be totally simple like a child in, in the things that are good and pure. And the things that are evil, just be ignorant of it. Look over, if you would, to uh, Deuteronomy with me. Chapter 12, verse 29. Deuteronomy, chapter 12, verse 29. Moses, by the Lord, has given them a warning. He says, When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to depossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, in Deuteronomy 12, verse 30 now, Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, well, how did these nations serve their gods? How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. There's something that's just sadistic about our sinful condition. And that is we're creatures that want to repeat what we see and hear. You see little children who try to molest other little children. Little a three-year-old touching the private parts of another three-year-old. It's just something sadistic within the sinful nature. What did they do? They saw that. Somebody touched them, and so they touched somebody else, or they saw somebody touching somebody like that. And it's just wicked. And you're going, how? Why? It's just, it's just something within us that repeats the action, no matter what the action is. You see the little child watching his dad smoke, and, and in his mind, a definition, someday I'll be a man. How will I know when I'm a man? I'll smoke. Or they see the dad watching football and drinking a beer. How will I know I'm a man? How will I feel that I'm an adult and I've arrived? Well, when I'm kicking back and drinking a beer. 
There's something about our sadistic, sinful nature that wants to repeat no matter what the action is. And so people can be curious and say, well, what, what are on those porno channels? Well, what, 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 what do they mean about getting that stuff on the internet? Well, I don't understand. What do they do at the Pussycat Theater down there? What really is going on? And, and you think, well, I could just see it once and I could say, oh, okay, that's, that's what's about. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. No. There's something sadistic about our, our bodies that are going to want to see it again and repeat that action and experience it ourselves. It says in Ephesians 4 that the deeds of our flesh grows corrupt. And so today you're seeing pornography. You'll never be satisfied until you're doing those pornographic things, no matter how sadistic or sinful it is. Well, I'm just curious to what's on MTV. I'm just curious about what's on that music channel. I mean, I, I, I don't like the music. I don't want to, I'm just curious. Guys. Why are you saying, how do they worship their gods? That's really what it's about. The MTV is about the worship of idols, rock star idols. That's really what's going on. It's a pagan worship. It's one more way Satan is luring people in. When people go to the strip tea places, what are they doing there? They're worshiping the gods. The Asherah, that's what they were, the god of sexuality. She was a goddess with large breasts. And other Asherah's gods were goddess with multi-breasts. That's what they worshipped. And they had their little idols. A naked woman with giant breasts. That's what they worshipped. That's what they're worshipping in these places. It's just a... We don't say it's a god. We're more sophisticated than that. That's what it is though. And what does the Bible say? What you worship, you will become like that. They're exuding saying sex, 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 sex. What's, what's now are you thinking about all the time? <laughs> what's obsessing your life? What's controlling you? That's it. No matter what it is. And we, we want to be ignorant. We just don't want to even know. We want to be naive. I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on there. I've had guys come back from Westpac and say, man, you won't believe what they were doing over at such and such a port. And they start to go into detail. I don't want to hear about it. It was sinful. That's enough. I don't want to know what it's like. I don't, want to, I don't even know. But you don't know how tough it was. I'm sorry it was tough on you. I don't want to know how tough it was. You're right. I, I just want to be ignorant. Ignorance is Freedom. When it comes to the things of the world, when it comes to the sins of the world, it's freedom. It can't have a control on me. I know nothing about it. It can't control me. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, with much knowledge also comes much pain. And now there's those things that you fight. That's why I, I want my kids to be pure. Well, you're, you're sheltering your kids. <laughs> you're doggone right I'm sheltering my kids. Well, they're, just, they're not going to be streetwise. That's fine. I don't plan on being on the streets. I plan on being them in the church. That's where I plan on being. I plan on loving the Lord and finding somebody else who loves the Lord and having their family. I, I don't need them to be streetwise. I don't need them to understand the world. Well, you've got to understand the world to preach to the world. 
Where's that in the Bible? Guys, that's a lie. What's saving men? My eloquent words? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, we'll get there in a few weeks, he says, I determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That your faith would not be in the persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the spirit and the power of God. And look in Acts chapter 17, where Paul understood these people in Athens. As he goes up to preach on Mars Hill, he goes, yes, I understand that you're gods. And it's like one of your, God, it's like one of your own philosophers said. It's like this. And another one of your philosophers said. And he has four quotes of philosophers in that speech. And what does it say at the end of his sermon after he was so persuasive and he was so relatable they laughed him to scorn and a couple of people believed there was no church in Athens ever got started the very next place Paul went was to Corinth and he said when I came to you <laughs> I determined not to know anything amongst you but Jesus Christ and him crucified we don't need to be relatable folks we need to be empowered by the spirit of God that's how we're going to be witnesses. When the Spirit of God and His power has come upon us, then we'll be witnesses. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say, once you understand what it's all about. I've seen it time and time again, where they quote Madonna and quote this movie star and that movie star and, and trying to be relatable. It, it sickens me. I don't, have no idea what Madonna said. It grieves me that I even know who Madonna is. I wish I didn't even know who she was. I wish I wouldn't even know her if I saw her on a street. I wouldn't even know who she was. I, I would be happy if I was ignorant completely about her. But I do know about her, and, and I'll tell you what, I'm not better because of it. I wish I was ignorant. And this is what the Bible teaches us in, in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 11. He says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, verse 11. Just rather expose it, or very better translation, just rebuke it. Just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I, I don't even want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't, I don't, just, I don't even want to hear about it. It's, just rebuke it. Don't fellowship with it. Don't understand it. Don't know it. Be ignorant of it. And I'll tell you what, there is freedom, 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 freedom in that. Just absolute freedom in that. And going on and finishing up here tonight in verse 20, and I'll make a couple more comments and we'll finish up here this book. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. If you're short here tonight, he's not talking to you short people. <laughs> he's talking, saying, in a very short amount of time. And I cannot wait till that day comes to fill that worm under my heavenly sandal and just to grind his little worm head right into the dirt for all the hardship he brought upon my life and people that I loved. Well, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, Paul was a preacher after my own heart. 
he always liked to preach a little bit more. And so he, he tries to finish the letter. And, and then he says, what? there's one more thing. And, and I understand that. I, I, I think it's anointed. This is the word of God. And then he says, oh, by the way, Timothy, my fellow worker, his fellow pastor, and Lucius and Jason and Sospater, my kinsmen, a few of his cousins, greet you. And then I, Tersus, which literally means third, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greet you. And Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greet you. And Quartus, which means fourth, a brother. Think about this just a minute. Paul is saying, oh, by the way, Timothy says hi, and, and also my cousins, and oh, also number three. He's a slave. In a Roman household, they had slaves, and, and to demoralize them, they just named them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They just named them by number. And he says, slave number three, he says, by the way, I'm slave number three, and I'm saying hi. I get to say hi. I wrote the letter. I get to put myself in there. And it's the Lord. And then he says, oh yeah, Gaius, the, this wealthy guy, they're from Corinth. As we'll see him in verse 14 of chapter 1 of Corinthians, he says, I thank God I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So this is a guy that he baptized, this wealthy guy. It was big enough to have the church in his house. So it was probably a rather large house that he had the church there when they met at his house. This wealthy man says, he greets you. And then who? Erastus, the city treasurer. Guys, Corinth was one of the largest Roman cities. And he was the city treasurer. He not only was a wealthy man, but a main leading figure in the city. And notice it says in one sentence, this great giant of a man, Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, number four, a brother greets you. Think of this, guys. And the body of Christ, whether you're the city treasurer or number four, we're all on the same plane. I love it. It's only in Christ that such barriers have broken down. We're neither slave owner or slave. We're neither male nor female. We're neither bond nor free, Paul says. We're neither Gentile nor Jew. But we're all together in Christ. And you just see the, the fellowship they had. Here's the slave feeling very comfortable enough to just write himself right on in the letter. And there is, is Gaius, this homeowner, this slave owner probably. He's sitting there and, oh, hey, tell him hi. And, and there's Tursus, this big official. And, and Cortus walks by and, and he says, oh, tell him hi for me too, as the treasurer is saying hi. There, there's no hierarchy. There's not this, I'm above you. James later writes in the church, just grieved that the Christian church was seating the rich people in the nicer seats and the poor people were having to sit on the ground or having lesser seats. And he just rebukes them. He says, that is just so demonic. That is so sinful. And I love it here at Calvary. We're not a high church. I've had people come through and, and say, well, I, I enjoyed the message, but I know I can't bring my wife because you don't wear a suit when you preach. She would, she would never be able to receive it. And I'm like, you know what? I'll never be able to receive her either. 
Because anybody who puts down Cortis is going to get kicked out of the church. Cortis is equal to Erastus. And Tisserus is equal to Gaius. We're all equal in the body of Christ, whether you can afford a suit or not. And I just love that fact that you just see the intimacy and the fellowship they're having even here as they're given the final greetings and just sort of having fun as they're ending the letter and Tercera says, I have a little bit of papyrus left. And Timothy says, well, say hi from me. And okay, well, I'll do the same. And the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And of course, he gets to finish the sermon one more time. And in verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. I love it. It's an intimate thing. Mary comes to the gardener by the tomb and she says, where did you bury my Lord? Thomas, when he sees Jesus, says, my Lord and my God. It was a personal thing. My Jesus, my Lord. And Paul's saying it's my gospel. That gospel which saved my soul. That gospel which saved me from my legalism, my Phariseeism. That gospel that saved me from going to hell. That same gospel, my gospel. I pray today it's your gospel. It's not the gospel. It's my gospel. The preaching of Jesus Christ. I love to tell people about my dear friend, Jesus according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. And there he's rejoicing that the book of Romans is done and he realizes what a masterpiece by the Holy Spirit it is. As he looks at the revelation through the book of Romans, how Jews and Gentiles are one and the understanding of the election of God, the understanding of the grace of God, what a mystery has been unfolded in this book of Romans. The secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, has been made known to all nations. The word nation, again, synonymous with Gentiles, all the Gentiles, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. How do we become obedient to the faith? Through the gospel of Christ. He leads us. Notice again, to him who's able to establish you. How? For the obedience to the faith. If you're not obedient right now, you just go to Jesus. The five steps to obedience. If you can find a book like that, throw it away. It's not going to help you. It's just going to frustrate you. It's just going to put you on another treadmill for a few months until you get bummed out. There's only one way to be obedient. and That's just to fall so love in, with Jesus that you would never want to hurt him. Five steps to being a faithful husband. There is none. You just need to fall so deeply in love with your wife that you would never want to hurt her and that she is your joy, that she is your life. She just can't wait to see her and be with her. That's how it is. It's falling in love with Jesus. It's him, you see. It's not an it. It's not a group of rules. It's not a group of guidelines. It's Jesus. It's him who's established you in that obedience to God alone wise. Man, how wise he is as you see all that, how the gospel's put together. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Everybody said? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And, and just the joy we have as we continue to think about it and meditate on it. And Lord, we thank you that you truly set us free. That we're here tonight not because it's the religious thing to do. We're here tonight because we love you. Oh, it says in your word, not to forsake the gathering together and the brethren. And, and it, it's wise to be here. And many of us had to beat our flesh into subjection to be here because we knew it would strengthen us to walk more deeply, 
more obediently, more in love with you through the preaching of your word. And, and so it was a good that we were here tonight. We've learned things that's caused us to grow. But Lord, we're here just because we love you. We're here because we want to know you more. We're here because we want to bear more fruit. We're here, Lord, because you're calling us by name to grow deeper and deeper in love with you. Lord, help us tonight to know you more. That's our heart's cry. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing that together. Lord, I want to know you more. Give my final breath to know you in your death and resurrection. Lord, I want to know you Next week.